Get your gear ready. This is a Sherpa's Guide to Innovation. together again for another episode of a Sherpa's Guide to Innovation, a podcast dedicated to guiding you along your innovation expedition. Sherpa host Ben Tingey speaking. My guests are back from the future of healthcare. Michael Johnson, Lindsay Denault, and Emily McKenna recently returned from the Health 2018 conference in Las Vegas. They have all kinds of stories to share, so we will jump right in. Uh, But first, a message to our listeners. I'll keep it short and sweet. Subscribe, share, rate, and review. Thanks. Okay, Michael, what blew your mind at the health conference? There were a lot of things, but there was one that really stuck out to me. It was the presentation that Dr. Feinberg at Geisinger had, had done. He said a lot of things that made a lot of sense. One of the things that was probably the most – after he said it, I had to check Twitter to make sure that I hear that right because he says, you know, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I usually get in trouble for saying this, and that's when you perk up. And he said, you know, if I, you know, if I do my job right, then we'll be you know, closing half of the hospitals that I have, and that's my job. And so, so you kind of hear that and you're thinking, wow, this guy is really living in the future and knowing where he needs to go. And he also pointed to other things with social determinants of health, stuff that really resonates. So that presenter was a big, um, a big highlight for me. Cool. Emily, what blew your mind? I think for me, it was probably listening to Dr. Patrick Conway at Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. Probably, you know, relevant being here at Atrium, but I think some of the things he focused on was how to rethink the payer-provider relationship to drive down costs. And some of the things he talked about uh, were removing prior authorizations and different ways to support patients. And I think those are things we hadn't heard as a health system before that do dramatically change sort of your administrative and cost policies. Wow. Very interesting. Lindsay, what blew your mind? Well, they nailed it because those were both the two sessions that blew my mind. I think from a broad system-wide perspective, Dr. Feinberg was incredible and was on just a totally different level as far as his vision for health systems and their role in healthcare and the examples that he gave as far as uh, genomics and how they're rolling that out to every patient, just like a mammography or a colonoscopy and using chatbots to help them scale the genetic counseling component. I think that was the first time we had heard using genomics and then also the AI to support it at scale. That was incredible. And then they talked about food deserts and food for people who have diabetes. Instead of just giving them a medicine, can we put the whole family on a healthy food or fresh food diet? And what they found in a small pilot was you know, huge decreases in hemoglobin A1C. And so now they're rolling that out. And they talked about transforming their pharmacies into something that looks more like Whole Foods. So that was just totally different than anything that we had heard, I think, anywhere else. And yeah. then a lot of folks talk about free transportation for folks to get to hospitals, but they went above and beyond and took it that next level. And we're talking about giving people in their health plan free transportation anywhere to a friend's house to church because they were taking it beyond just access and taking it to tackling loneliness so i think he was he was just incredible to listen to i think it was really energizing hearing him one last point about him he, he said he's like i don't know why we're talking about pharmacy cost here that's the wrong i'm paraphrasing but he said look 
to, to Lindsay's point, it's like, you know, we know that medication will drop your hemoglobin A1C by one point, but we do carrots and quinoa and it drops it by 2.5. And so it's, let's first address why we're doing medications in the first place. And so shifting the conversation from controlling costs to saying, look, do we really need to do that anyways? And so, I mean, that was just one example of really, let's think about this whole thing differently. Awesome. Sounds like a blast. Well, let's get in to uh, the details here so our listeners can learn a little bit more about this conference. Let's start with our key takeaways. Uh, Lindsay, let's start with you for a key takeaway or a theme that emerged for you from the conference. Sure. There were, I think, three different themes for me throughout. The first was unlikely pairings and how people are partnering differently now. Uh, The resounding theme of convenience, um, both from the patient perspective and also from providers. And then I think a big theme of this uh, conference was sort of controversial real talk. I think there was there were a lot of messages that were conveyed here that I hadn't heard elsewhere that sparked dialogue. Interesting. Looking forward to talking more about that. Emily. Yeah, I think in general, Lindsay's point, you saw a lot of non-traditional healthcare players, and we've seen them in the past, but now it seems like every tech and retail company is trying to figure out healthcare, and they see a lot of white space, and so they're all taking their own unique approach, which is different than what we've seen historically. So that was a big theme, and, and to do that, they are partnering in new ways that we wouldn't have ever guessed them to partner before. So those are kind of my big takeaways, I think, just the energy around the conference um, with these new participants drove a different vibe than most healthcare conferences have. Cool. Michael, your themes or takeaways? Yeah, th- three of them as I was reflecting on it. One, I, I really think that we in Atrium Health are right there with everybody else. I, I don't think that we're any different um, in a lot of things. I think we're talking to the exact same people a lot of the other organizations that we look at um, do as well, and they're facing the exact same problems that we are in terms of how do you innovate within a corporate organization? And that's you know ubiquitous within you know not just healthcare, but then also um, things like provider burnout is something that everyone's experiencing. And you know how do we end up redesigning this health system? So these are all challenges everybody's facing. And so it's nice to come together in a in a place like that. So I think that we're right there um, with other folks. So it's nice to connect with them uh, on that. The second thing is I really I was really impressed with the amount of thought around the food insecurity and some of the things that people are doing there. Um, we're into that here at Atrium Health and then seeing some of the programs and things folks are doing. We talked a little bit about that earlier. Um, really encouraging. And the last thing is the maturity around AI. It's really starting to take foothold um, for what I'm seeing. So I'm seeing and some exciting things happening there. Um, so those are some of the three big takeaways for me. Yeah, And Michael, you've had your ear to the ground about uh, AI and machine learning and blockchain for the last uh, nearly a year or so. So I bet you heard and saw some exciting things at the Yeah, it conference. was more AI than blockchain. There, there was a blockchain or two session, and I talked to a couple of companies there in blockchain, but a lot of the focus was around AI. There's a really good presentation uh, talk that Google uh, had given uh, with Verily. Most people know that um, they released a study, I think it was earlier this year, where they can take a picture of the retina and gauge your cardiovascular risk. What I didn't know, and maybe others know this, but they can also gauge your age. They can gauge your BMI. So all these other attributes or things about yourself are things that we can't see as humans, but through AI and machine learning, they're able to determine. And so it's just kind of 
makes you realize that there is lots of things that we can discover just with the plethora of data that we have within the health system. And having somebody like Google there, which that's their expertise, you know, and so a lot of excitement with them being in the space and the potential um, to improve health with AI. I think, too, what I heard from a few of the panelists on AI is really initially in the support phase. So how do you enhance a provider's productivity? And so it was more of a collaborative approach than I sometimes hear. I think in one of the radiology panels, they spent a lot of time in kind of illustrating on how this would all work together in a workflow versus sort of replacing in the near term, which I think opens more doors within the healthcare industry for some of these companies. Well, I heard that there were several big announcements at uh, this conference. There were several companies who in anticipation of the conference, said we're making some announcements uh, at the Health 2018 conference. What were they, and were they really big? What do you think, Lindsay? I mean, there were several. I think the the speakers and the panelists were encouraged to use the conference to make these big announcements, so it seemed like every single panelist that got up there was making some sort of announcement, so it was kind of overwhelming. The entire you know four days was um, you're just getting hit left and right with announcements. The, the stuff from Geisinger, I think, was big. Um, they were they had three big announcements around rolling out genomics and rolling out some of the things in the, the food pilots that they had done. So they were sharing some of those learnings and then talking about how they were scaling it, which was really interesting. There was also one from Helix and uh, a system in Nevada called Renown Health. And they were talking about a program called Healthy Nevada where they were rolling out genomics in a more of a population health fashion. So they had rolled that out. And had, I think, 8,300 people sequenced in like five days or something crazy. Um, And so they were talking about how do you roll this out in a population health fashion to be able to to see different risks for a region, um, which was really interesting. So they were sharing the learnings from from that. And then Fitbit, I think, had – Quite a few announcements. They talked about their twine acquisition, but then they talked about a number of partnerships with Dexcom and a number of healthcare partners to try to transition the their wearable from like a nice to have to a must have healthcare solution. So they they announced several things, and then Andy Slavitt, who was previously the acting administrator for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, announced his new venture firm called Town Hall, and so he talked about how they were going to be investing in the underserved populations. And so he had a number of areas that he said that they were going to be investing. So that was interesting. I think it was anything and everything was being announced there, it seemed. The one thing that I I still don't understand, actually, is the announcement from Adobe, Microsoft, Microsoft and Change Healthcare. We sat through that one, and it was one of those uh, unlikely pairings, I think, for sure. And I've read the article afterwards. I saw the presentation. I still don't know what they're going to be doing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with Lindsay. (laughs) I think that one caught us all by surprise. And also, I mean, it felt a little bit like, oh, Amazon's doing something, so we three are going to do something. (laughs) But unclear, I think, similar to the Amazon, J.P. Morgan, and Berkshire, what that will take form. Yeah. Any other big announcements? What caught your eye, Michael? I think the, you know, I know folks were thinking about maybe 23andMe might say something about an IPO. They didn't. You know, there's also that Monday, Athena Health, you know, there was a bid to to basically take over the uh, the company. And, you know, that, there wasn't 
that was not the discussion, even though that happened and that was in the news. That was not what Jonathan Bush was there to talk about, so he didn't. Um, and then um, Walmart was up on the stage, and I was really listening for something there. So there, there, there are places where I was looking for announcements and, and didn't find them, but um, I think we could all expect things from all those companies to come out soon. Um, just the timing probably wasn't right. Yeah, interesting. Well, let's let's back up a minute. Um, Health is a newer conference, right? It's uh hasn't been around for a long time. How did it get started? What's the history? This is the inaugural year, and that's one of the things just when we're talking, it's really impressively run, and it really had a lot of great speakers, great content. It was smooth, and so it was very impressive from the standpoint that this new conference attracted both panelists, speakers, and attendees like that. And the other thing that I that I think about with the health conference, it just shows you that um, there's so much interest in changing in healthcare. Like we were mentioning, a lot of the folks there were not uh, traditional healthcare players, uh, but they have a part or they're willing to come in and partner. And so it kind of speaks to, I think, yeah, there's there's hymns and there's health 2.0 and there's all these other things, but it, having health come out there says there's still another venue needed to talk about how do we redesign the system because it's not like other conferences out there where industries are sharing trade secrets or the most recent right. This is not what this conference is about. It was about how do we leverage technologies, partnerships, thought leaderships, developments to really improve uh, the common goal of really lowering cost, improving care and experience. Out there, so I think that's still needed, and that's why it's here. And from what I understand, the founder of it doesn't really have a healthcare background; had never run necessarily a healthcare conference before. had had developed and launched and run conferences in fintech and some other industries, and built those and scaled them, and then eventually sold them, and saw like 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 Michael said, a gap in healthcare uh, where Hims wasn't necessarily serving us as far as being the change agent for where the industry was going. And so the this this first year there were thirty five hundred people, which was incredible for a first year conference. And I think the mo- more incredible stat was that almost forty percent of the attendees were C suite. So it was it was very high level attendees. Uh, and usually when you go to conferences, the speakers, you know, if they're if they're C suite people, if they're CEOs of of big companies, they'll fly in, they'll do their talk, and then they'll leave. I saw something very different here in that those C-suite people stayed and they were sitting in the sessions in the front row, like listening to their peers because it was equally as valuable for them as it was for for the three of us here. We actually got to attend for free as part of the hosted buyer program. So they found innovative ways to get the different stakeholders there. So Michael, Emily, and I agreed to meet with, I think it was like eight startups or eight companies and for that, we got to we got free registration, which was awesome because that's what we were going to go do anyway. So that's that was, awesome. hey, that was we, didn't, we didn't have to go find them; they found us. We yeah. sat down, and so it was it was great. It was all facilitated. They gave us the list. We picked out who we wanted to meet with. They right. set it up, and we showed up. So, great service. Yeah, I think they did a really good job of of that from the provider perspective. But they also did a similar uh, initiative for investors and startups. So trying to kind of convene um, those partners as well. And then they had a startup pitch competition. So on top of all the panels that you would see at a normal conference, they had a lot of interactive opportunities. That's great. So not just the learning, but also some of the doing. 
And they, they, they were very prescriptive about the meeting opportunities because I think most people that go to J.P. Morgan just go for the meetings. And so they had all these designated areas set up for meetings so that if that's what you were going for, that it was very easy to facilitate that. And then I think one of the things that we love about uh, South by Southwest is the access to people. So you feel like you get to know people. So because these C-suite folks were sitting in the sessions with us, we got to talk to them and got to meet them where we may may not have in the past. Who was the tech person that you wanted to meet at dinner or that you saw at dinner? Evan Dahl. <laughs> so. Michael was man crushing hard. He, he has a he had a science crush, and yeah. pr- so I don't remember his previous background, but he was yeah. at Apple now. So yeah. I had a really fascinating conversation with him over a private dinner at about Apple and Apple's work in healthcare. But Michael knew him from a previous role outside of healthcare. Yeah, because um, he was one of the guys that helped develop the first iPhone software, and then he ended up going out and launching Flipboard. Right. So that was a very popular, successful startup. And then he's back at Apple now doing the healthcare software team. And so I was very interested in him before he came back to the healthcare phase. And so then when I saw that his name was there, I was like, I think I remember that name and I couldn't put it together. But it just shows you also it's a small world and there's some bright people coming in to really solve health. That's so awesome. Well, you have each talked about how amazing – it was in terms of how smooth everything was set up really well. Talk to me about the venue, the context, paint a picture of the setting. What was this conference like and how did it compare to other conferences you've attended? I'd say they certainly embraced the future of healthcare themes. Mm-hmm. So I think when you walk into the big auditorium, there are fog machines and like black <laughs> lights. They had tap dancers come out before hip-hop like, tap dancers hip-hop, yeah, before the main speakers launched their keynote. One evening they had Z Dog, <laughs> yeah, but, at the pool party. I, you, I think you might have missed that one. But. I was thinking of the acrobats that were oh, hanging yeah. from the ceiling. So I think they tried to go for a more um, edgier vibe. So probably one you might see at a tech conference. We don't usually see that in the healthcare conferences, at least that I've attended. So I think that was one thing, just setting a venue differently. But everything was very convenient, as Lindsay said. Like all the meetings took place right around the conference rooms and in kind of set up pods and things like that. So I think they embrace their theme. And that, I mean, I, I run um, some group meetings here within Atrium Health, some some um, some high-level meetings, and there's a lot of work that goes into uh, making that run, and I can only appreciate the amount of detail, and everything was choreographed. I mean, we had the, the stage, you're talking about the tap dancers coming out and the music timed right, and and even in the breakout sessions, they had the same, not to the same level, but the same sort of care and, and production there. So not only did the health team really do a good job, but also the staff of the hotel um, did as well. It was really, it was impressive. And every every speaker had a, a cartoon caricature made of them. And those you were seeing, you know, on LinkedIn and, and on Twitter for about a year leading up to the conference. Once once the speaker was announced, they would you know put his character, his or her caricature out there. And, and those were awesome because they were everywhere. And each speaker had little stickers of themselves that they were giving people. So it was the details that they went through to put it on were just incredible. So as you mentioned, Lindsay, I mean, I've seen advertising and stuff leading up for this conference for a long time. Do you think it lived up to its hype? They, they said that this is the future of healthcare. Did they deliver that brand promise? In my opinion, I think they did. I think I got a ton of value out of 
this conference, I usually don't sit through a, a ton of sessions at conferences. I usually go and, you know, see the startup pitches, meet with them. I usually don't sit through a lot of the sessions, but I sat, I think probably 40 or 50% of my time I was listening to speakers because they were super value add. And a lot of the topics were on the forefront. There were a lot of things that I heard here first before I heard them anywhere else. I agree. I mean, I think it did. I think it's going to be around for a while. And, you know, I'm just reflecting on my own experience that um, I, I did not get bored at all. Sometimes I'm in conferences and by the end of the conference, it kind of tells off your interest and energy. And they really did a good job of really uh, keeping that up. And then also, I think that the speakers that they had, um, I think was also, I, I expect the same kind of caliber of speaker to come in the future. Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of agree with what with they said. I think what it did was address a lot of the problems we see in healthcare and start to talk about solutions, but they're not necessarily painting the picture of what healthcare looks like in the future, but they are saying the payers and the employers are going to try to push some of the boundaries on the provider end. And so I think you'll see more and more of that. Yeah, I think there was much more like real talk in a lot of ways here. So Cambridge Analytica came up a number of times. So data access, data rights was a big topic of conversation where as most conferences, it's not. It's more um, other areas of IT and IT security. But here it was very much how do we educate patients on what the third party apps that they have on their phones currently what data that is, what those what those companies are able to collect right now. And no one in the room knew. Like, they asked, you know, who here has, you know, healthcare apps on your phone? Everyone raised their hand, of course. Who here knows what data that app is collecting and selling? And no one knew. So this is an area that as we as health systems are very new, you know, new to. And the, the Cambridge Analytica sort of put things on the forefront for us. And then the other thing I think that we saw in a big way at this conference, I don't know if health helped put this on the forefront or if it just happened by accident, but employers are very activated right now. And in one session, they talked about how in the banking industry, there was a fairly long time horizon between like when the industry consolidated, when costs were taken out, when things were consumer, like when consumerization happened. And because of like the delays at the federal level with repeal and replace, all of that sort of got put on hold, and now it's all happening at one time. And they mentioned that employers are sort of the catalyst right now to helping to accelerate that pace of change. So I think that was a big theme that we heard. Let's dive into that a little bit. From what I understand, some of the most, shall I say, controversial comments came from the folks at Walmart talking about, as Lindsay mentioned, the, the real talk at the at the conference. What was that about? And I'd be curious to get everyone's perspectives on that. Why don't we start with Michael? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I was excited to have Walmart there, and, and it really made a point to, to sit there and, and listen. So I'm familiar with what they've done in the past and was really looking forward to hearing what they're going to be doing in the future. I just don't think that message came across for me. I think it was a missed opportunity. I, th- they are very mad, and they even said, like, we're not standing for this anymore. And I don't know if they pounded their fist on the table, but that was, you know, there's a lot of exclamation points in their talk. Um, where it's like, you know, this is not right. They gave examples of the center of excellence program that they have and 50 percent of the folks that uh, get referred out for a surgery end up coming back with having like, no, you don't need a surgery. And so I, I just heard from them. There's a lot of insanity that you guys are creating out there. I didn't feel like it, it was more like, you know, we're not standing for this. You need to fix it or we're going to fix it for you. And it just I didn't really feel like a lot of bridging kind of talk and, and solutioning. I just heard that. And I don't think 
anybody's really happy with the health system. I mean, consumers aren't saying we want it the way that it is. We're not wanting it the way that it is. I mean, we all want it to change. And so I didn't quite understand why they were there and they didn't think that we had the same type of feelings. I know that they play a different role in the whole payer system and they want to do things that are good for their employees. But I just didn't really hear uh, from them, okay, what are we going to do? It was more, we got a problem, which we all know there's problems. Okay, let's talk about what we're going to do about it. And I didn't really get that again. I didn't think the message came across. Hmm. If if any, if, Lindsay, if you heard the message, <laughs> let me know. I just, I didn't. Let's, let's, let's get into this. Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, Michael, Michael and I maybe had a, a different takeaway from the Walmart session. We, uh, we debated it immediately afterwards. But uh, I think... We've heard for a long time that employers are not totally happy, and I think they've been sort of not necessarily quiet about it, but they haven't been pounding their fist on the table like they maybe did at at Health. And and I think whether it's Berkshire Hathaway and Amazon and and J.P. Morgan that have now made them feel more comfortable about talking about it publicly, they are very activated and they were very vocal. And I didn't didn't come away as as offended as a lot of – there were a lot of healthcare people that left the room. I'll there say that, were. and left the room because they they didn't appreciate the tone. I think, but I stayed because I I actually think that they had a point, and the point was that we have not come to the table in a big way and made significant change. And at the end of the day, they said like we're the ones that write the check, which is true, and. I'm I'm excited that they are helping to accelerate the pace of change. And I think that they do want to partner. I don't it maybe didn't come across in the session, but I think that they do. I think they're gonna have to. I, I don't think they can do it on their own. I know there's been talk about them buying Humana, but that kind of gets to a model like the provider's still not in there, uh in that in that arrangement. So that's the only way any of this is gonna work though. There's gotta be more collaboration in order to make it work. And actually what I would like to see happen is take some of um Dr. Feinberg's DNA and bring it over to the Walmart. Because I think that with his, I mean, the interesting thing when I talked about before about the social determinants of health, people are starting to recognize that that is huge. I think we're saying like 40% of your health is really based on your... Or more. Or, or more, right? And so depending what you what you read, thinking about, okay, instead of Walmart buying a payer system or opening up more clinics, what can we do around the social determinants of health for their own teammates, for their own employees? I mean, what can they do to help... Increase the living wage potentially, or end up doing some of the things that Geisinger's doing with let's make sure you have healthy, uh, healthy food available. I don't know. Again, they might be, but I think just knowing what we know, where a lot of the energy needs to go with some of the things that are not traditional legacy healthcare delivery systems, I, I think that could be a great opportunity for Walmart to really make a huge impact. That um, again, they might be, but didn't hear it. I think a, lo- a lot of the initial reactions from the employers that were speaking were, well, they don't know anything about healthcare. You know, they're not going to necessarily be able to solve this problem. You know, they they definitely need us, which is true to a point. But what I saw was much more sophisticated action forward. It wasn't just just getting up and, and ranting about needing change. There was a different panel that I went to where it was a group. It was three three different employers in the panel. So it was it was AT and T, Fidelity, and Bank of America, and collectively they spend seven billion dollars a year on healthcare costs, Ooh. which is you know not a small a lot of money. Not, yeah not a small <laughs> chunk of change. 
And they talked about a, just a general frustration in the employer market for how healthcare is slow to change, that we are too local and that it's hard to scale and that the employer community is not willing to wait. And they were very outspoken about being willing to bypass the delivery systems because, again, at the end of the day, they write the check. And if they were just saying it without taking any action, I wouldn't have maybe taken it so seriously. But it was they had already formed a group of 35 employers, like large employers, that were identifying pain points and problems that that their employees needed on the, in the healthcare space. And they were going out and finding partners, finding startups, like doing pilots with them, figuring out how to scale them. Like they were learning rapidly. So they may have been late to the party, but it seems like they are empowered and driven now. Emily, you want to jump in? I unfortunately missed the Walmart panel, so I uh, can't really add much there. But I would say I think a theme of the conference was how the employers are are like eager to take part in this redefining kind of what healthcare is and how it's provided. Well, Dave Chase has been speaking forever about, you know, healthcare won't change unless employers really yeah. push it and really drive it. And he's writing stuff all the time on LinkedIn and blogs and stuff talking about that. There was a session, there was a conference I went to like a year and a half ago, and it was a digital orthopedics conference. And there was a data aggregator that was speaking about data flow within the healthcare system and who has data access and data rights at different points. So health systems payers, he talked about switches, and then he got to employers. And the point he made at the time was that employers in in this whole ecosystem really have the majority of the power. They just, to date, had not used it. And so at the time, I was thinking, you know, what would what would catalyze them to to step up or become a bigger player. And I don't know if it was the Amazon announcement or if they were already moving in this direction, but we definitely saw it last week in Vegas. Any final thoughts, Michael? No, I mean, it's just the cost has got to get in trouble. I was just reflecting on that's just a big expense for any organization. The Walmart's huge or small businesses are struggling with health care costs as well. And so, again, I think everybody wants it to change. I just we can't do it on our own. Nobody can. We can't. And that's you know kind of what Lindsay's doing as well as trying to bring in, and Emily as well, just you know innovations from outside in and internal out. And so I just would love to hear more collaborative, you know, discussions around the table. So he's saying that in a nice way, but I think mm-hmm. I know some people were offended. Um, but I, I think if they hadn't said it as strongly as they did. We wouldn't be talking about so, it now. I, they had sure coded uh, yeah. it. I wasn't offended. I was just like, this is where am I? I'm not hearing anything. Give me something. You know, it's just kind of you know, my time is ticking away here. So I was just, again, I wasn't offended, but I was just hoping for something. Some, give me something. Yeah. I didn't get it. I think to Michael's point, a lot of them did spend time like rehashing what the problem is and all of the inefficiencies within the delivery system. And so at some points it felt like, okay, we've heard this. We get it. We know their problems rather than figuring out the solution or figuring out how to work with a provider to come up with the solution. Yeah, I think I heard more of that on that final panel, that very last day, most of the health systems had left. And it was surprisingly actually mostly startups in the room that were going to be healthcare startups that were going to be pitching to the employers. I think that was where more of I heard I heard more of the action that was being taken. One of the things, just thinking about the conference overall, one of the things that I think hopefully in the future we, we had, as we we're just mentioning, a large employer presence hearing about their pains and what they're doing. We had a lot of providers. The one group that we didn't have, we didn't have a consumer voice there. And I think, you know, a lot of folks recognize that pretty early, but um, 
that's something that when you get kind of look at, looking at the whole um, – all the folks that are, that are playing the part, we had government as well. And so consumers were the missing piece of that puzzle. In fact, I went to a couple consumer panels and they were standing room only and they had to turn people away. So there's definitely an interest in understanding the healthcare consumer. And so hopefully in the future we're going to have some panels and maybe some speakers um, that are really just – I'm just a healthcare consumer and let me yeah. tell you – tell you what we're doing in my story i agree with that aarp did a really cool event last year where they had an aarp innovation at 50 plus event where they had innovations in healthcare and fintech for people over 50 that are aarp members and the unique part about that event was they actually had aarp members at the conference in the room and they voted on which technologies resonated most with them and that they would recommend to friends and family and I think if, if we can incorporate something like that into health, I think that would, to Michael's point, it would make it much more impactful to have the patient and the consumer voice in the room. That's great. Emily, Lindsay, uh, tell us about some of the startups that you came across. Were there any that stood out to you? Uh, sure. I think, I mean, there were a number of startups across, you know, the exhibition halls to the panels to the startup pitch competition. One that I thought was pretty cool that touches on some of the food stuff we've talked about today was a company called Day Two, where they actually take your microbiome. It's for pre-preventative diabetes, but they are trying to take your bi- microbiome and figure out which diet works for you. So it was interesting because they held up a slide and, you know, one has that traditional healthy diet of like, oatmeal, nuts, like dark chocolate's your only splurge, and the other had more of eggs or ice cream and things like that, and how actually what seems to be a little bit unhealthier would prevent diabetes in this person based on sort of their sugar and glucose management. So I think things like that are really interesting in applying, like, how do we personalize some of the food stuff? Because not everyone is the same and not everyone digests the same. I thought that one was cool. There were a few that are trying to connect patients in different ways to the health system or to their communities. So the company that won the startup pitch competition was a company called Papa. And what they do is try to connect seniors with college students. And the college students actually help get the seniors to their appointments and help support them in their day-to-day, you know, pick up prescriptions. And the idea is to kind of bring some of that collegiate energy and passion if they're interested in supporting this program and bring it into the daily lives of somebody that may not have that support. We saw one or two that were related to bringing telehealth into critical care, telehealth into the skilled nursing facility. So figuring out ways to support some of these populations in new ways. Yeah. And those are the populations, I think, as uh, as you'd mentioned, Lindsay, that Andy Slavitt is mm-hmm. wanting to tackle the more vulnerable or the more underserved. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see people putting money into those. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess last one, which Michael, I think, and I both met with was a company called Omni and they're trying to help apply blockchain to the pharmaceutical supply chain within the hospital. And so helping you predict shortages and figuring out where your medications and products are at what hospital system so that you can better buy those prescriptions and make sure, you know, they're not expiring and things like that. Whereas, you know, we hear day to day that that's an area where we're pulling from a lot of different systems to figure out in what some of those levels are in a very, very manual way. And if we yeah. have a shortage, we find it out three weeks later when there's not much, you don't have any leverage anymore. So I think that was one of the interest, more interesting applications of blockchain that I yeah. saw. Yeah, it's a good distributed ledger application. They were like, we can get it down to when that lot is manufactured at the pharmaceutical. And, you know, the whole cycle of the the uh, the data back in the 
incentives with um, sharing data as well. And so they they really had a good understanding, I think, of the whole process. And so, yeah, they were exciting. Love to talk to them some more. I think I mostly had follow-up conversations with companies that we had already talked to or that we were trying to figure out more details about how we could work together. So I, I think I used the conference more for follow-ups than I did for new introductory meetings. You got to spend time in the panels. I know. I know. We had to we had to figure out some deal terms. So I think <laughs> I, I think I used the, the time more for that. Awesome. Well, let's wrap things up. Let's review our key takeaways and we'll start in reverse order. So, Michael, will you kick us off? Do you remember what your takeaway or your themes were? Yeah, I think, again, my, my takeaway is is we're right there with other folks in terms of what we're learning and what we're struggling with. And that's very, I think, good to know. And also, we've got a lot of company out there, great networking um, and learnings that we can share from each other. Um, in AI, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of development. I think is going to happen over the next twelve months, and so that's something that I'm kind of taking away that need to focus a little bit more on developments there because some exciting stuff is happening uh, in that space, and also uh, food insecurity. Just some of the examples that were given, and some of the things that uh, like Geisinger uh, is talking about. So there's some progressive work happening there that um, that that I was made aware of. That's that's good. So yeah. great takeaways. Thank you, Emily. Yeah, I think. I mean, we've touched on a bunch of them today, but I think I was encouraged by the variety in startups. You know, sometimes we see a lot that are going after kind of the same issue with a slightly different spin, and and I really saw startups across the healthcare system, from you know, so we talked about supply chain to revenue cycle to the prior auth piece. So I think a lot of people are figuring out. You know, we we need to improve the consumer aspect, but we also have to drive some costs out of the back office side. And so I think that was a key theme for me. And then some of the partnerships that we've talked about that, you know, everyone's looking for ways to solve some of the problems in healthcare. They're not quite sure how to do that yet, but they're going to continue to partner in different ways with kind of unexpected companies and entrants. Right. Lindsay, yeah, take so- us home. I will also um, echo what Emily mentioned about the unlikely pairings, whether we understand them yet or not. There were definitely a lot of announcements around how people are partnering to accelerate the change of, of healthcare. The other thing that we didn't want really to talk too much about in this group was around the resounding theme of convenience. I think one of the folks that mentioned it or talked about it really well was the, the chief innovation officer of Sutter Health talked about when they're understanding convenience, they talked about, you know, I'm either going to do it right now or never. And so trying to be able to, when, when someone wants to do it in that exact moment being able to to deliver uh, the care to them within like two to three minutes and then trying to understand like the deep rooted reasons why folks are hindered or are um, coming up against obstacles and so they found for urgent care that the number one reason why people weren't going during the day was they didn't want to lose their parking spot at work and so really understanding the consumer like truly truly understanding them and then figuring out really unique workarounds so like in that case like working with Lyft to get them rides to the struggling moment is the seat of innovation yeah so they don't have to give up their parking spot so I just heard like much more tangible examples of really understanding the progress that consumer is trying to make and, and helping to innovate around that and then I think I heard a lot of folks, whether it was Dr. On Demand or Iora, really putting emphasis on the physicians and them as customers and really wanting to serve them. And then I think the biggest thing for me was the employers. So there was a lot of real talk from employers. Some of it was, I think, 
you know, getting everybody amped up and activated. And then others were you could see tangible action that was being taken and whether they come to the table as partners with a health system or they're going to do it themselves or however it ends up working out. I'm just excited that they are more engaged. Sounds like an awesome conference. Look forward to what next year's health 2019 will bring. Very cool. Emily, Lindsay, Michael, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on the uh, health conference with me. This has been great. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Well, dear listeners, you are awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Please keep listening. This is Ben Tingey. Bye. could have read our bumbies. <laughs> I actually was that? in my bag too. There was I, there were the these people. I know. I think his was funnier too than ours and we didn't get to read it.